Howdy, folks. Welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On today's episode, I'm talking with Tabari Fingal. Tabari is a studio owner, producer, engineer, and vocal coach. We speak about moving forward in the music business, going to Berkeley to study music, and learning to adapt and evolve with the times. This was recorded in 2020, so yeah, enjoy. So, how's it looking out in Maryland? Uh, it's it's pretty good over here, man. Um, it's starting to get a little chilly for fall. Um, not surprising, but um, I think we're gonna have a pretty chilly winter. So that's that doesn't make me feel great with the whole COVID thing. But we're gonna get by. <laughs> we're gonna get by. It'll be good. I understand completely. Hmm. So how has COVID-19 affected you, you know, creatively and everything, you know, production-wise too and business-wise? How's it, has that an effect on you? Yeah, like, um, you know, it it caused, especially in my business, because I have a, a, a recording studio that I run out of my home. Um, but even with even with that, I was already looking at kind of remodeling and, and, and re re uh, uh, establishing the business kind of in a different way since my move and then COVID hit. So it's kind of like, Oh, so the old model wasn't going to work anyway. I was going to have to kind of retool and, and set back up in a different way. So it's, it's, it's weird because it was, it was basically the death of the old model um, of doing business in studio work. And you can see a lot of other studios like listen vision and, and um, house kind of t taking different avenues and different ways to generate revenue through their studio. And I'm kind of taking the same route. Um, I'm, I'm doing more um, YouTube tutorial style stuff, um, music business, education type stuff. Um, and I'm creating sound banks. Those are going to be for sale on the website pretty soon. You know, those, those type of things, those type of deals. Um, and soon we're going to develop uh, courses as well because I'm also a, a vocal teacher and a piano teacher. Um, so we're going to be doing some vocal coaching and, and piano stuff. Um, and all, that'll all be for sale on the website. So before I wasn't going to have all that stuff via the website, it really is going to be more informational. And now it's kind of, I've had to switch my model, but it actually works. It actually works. So we're going to see where it goes and take the rest of the year to figure out <laughs> how it should look. But yeah. That's that's kind of the plan. You have a podcast too, right? Yes, um, the Two Bros in the Studio show. Um, my 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 production partner Nevada Taylor and I um, created that show. Kind of like um, like this is how it, like like a backstage pass to what it's really like in the music industry, from various aspects, like from the management side, from the artistic side, from the production side from the engineering side, from the management side, from the distribution side, from the cultural side. Just this is what it's like in real life. Here's a real music manager. Let's talk to them about what it's like to be a music manager, like for real. Um, and, and, and we have actually a pretty good following for a while. Um, the only reason we stopped is because my, my partner moved to Texas. So that made podcasting a little difficult. And both of our families kind of got hit with some family drama stuff, health stuff. So we both had to kind of like figure that out. But yeah, but it's funny because it still gets love. It still gets plays and we haven't uploaded in years and we still get requests for people. So clearly we had something there. And, and in the spirit of that, we're also we're 
coming back and re revitalizing it. Um, and we're going to do a relaunch pretty soon. We're in, we're in the process of that right now. It's great to hear, you know. I mean, you'd be surprised what what catches on, what doesn't really. In this case, well, if, well, that sounded really weird. What catch? Not not surprised, but you'd be surprised, you know, what catches on everything, right? Like even we put something out there, right? Yeah. Like think it is right here, Chappelle Show. People are still quoting that show has been off since when? Like maybe two thousand six, two thousand eight, <laughs> I guess. And people it's keep true. people keep doing that stupid ass dialogue dialogue. If I hear it one more other time, anyway. Um, um, but yeah, I mean seriously, I was like, people say I'm Rick James, bitch, and I'm like, your parents were in high school when that was out. What do you know about this? Nothing. It, you know nothing. Exactly. But it's it, like this but, weird thing of like you weren't even there. But you be like you said, when something hits and it makes sense to you, it it just hits and it makes sense, and and. With that show, apparently we we had something that resonated. So exactly, you know. So how did Haven House come about, though? Uh, it's an interesting story because, and it kind of goes back to my history as a musician and in my music education. Um, so I started singing in church, and uh, you know, fast forward, you know, we did Children of the Gospel. My mother was the choir director at the church. I became the youth choir director at 14, and then um, that puts me in what, early high school or so? So I went to uh, Baltimore School for the Arts um, in Baltimore City and uh, Berklee College of Music after that. But between working at, at School for the Arts and Berkeley, I found a love for production. And I found that because I, I started songwriting to go with my singing. But nobody would write me songs, so I, you know, started songwriting. But then I needed a, you know, accompaniment, so I learned to play keys because it made sense. And then now that I could write a full-out song, and I actually like had really like decent songs. Funny enough, it was the guy who is Monica's, uh, the R&B singer Monica, her MD. Um, his name is uh, Peanut. Well, I call him Peanut. <laughs> Everybody um, knows somebody named Peanut or something after a food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> fantastic drummer, friends, fantastic producer. He he sat down with one of my tunes, uh, uh, and he basically just showed me production. He just sat down with the one session he was producing for me. But he was like, look, this is all you need to know. Dot, 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 dot. And from then on, I've been going. So Haven House is kind of an amalgamation of all those different experiences I've had. And it's in... It, it's it's less the equipment and the space, and it's more it's more the expertise and the knowledge base that I kind of bring. So you know that's kind of why the name. You know it's it's like a it's like a haven if you're a real musician if you really try to get some work done it's like a haven for you, and it's in my house so haven house. <laughs> works that works pretty well. I was thinking about starting a studio called Kame House actually. Hey, that's dope. I rock. Of course, you get the reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to grow my beard a little bit more, though. Um, <laughs> you might have to, yeah. <laughs> you went to Berkeley, too, right? Yeah. What was that like? That was fantastic. I mean, I loved my, my Berkeley career, honestly. It was, um, it was where I fell in love with some of the things that I'm still in love with right now, like I was doing production in high school, but my version of it was to get a bunch of live musicians in a room with a two-track and aim the mic appropriately to try to get a double bass and the drum set without one bleeding too far into the other. 
But then when I went to Berkeley, I was able to like sit in on real sessions in a real studio environment. And I would go to class as a freshman, I would go to class during the day. And then by six o'clock, I would find myself in one of the major studios. I think Berkeley has like 15. I would find myself in like the studio A room with whomever happened to be their professor doing a real session or a student just doing a practice session. And I would say, okay, I'm just gonna sit in the corner here. I won't say a word. I'll normalize the studio and um, and set up when the time comes. I'm here to assist, but I just wanna be here just to absorb. And that's what I did for my whole first year. And everybody was so cool with it. Um, even though I wasn't a production major, everybody was like, yeah, just come on in, here we go. Um, the people I've met along the way, I mean, are doing huge things right now. Um, and yeah, just the life experience I had. I didn't care for Boston all that much, but I liked, <laughs> I liked Berkeley. Yeah, lousy hardcore punk scene there. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. more of a New York, LA, DC hardcore punk guy, but it's another story for another time. But that's like, fair. That's fair. When I think of Berkeley, um, there's a lot of artists I think of. You know, I think of it was always fascinating. It was like, there were like a lot of jazz guys that went there too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of jazz guys. Um, Warren Wolf is one that comes to mind because he actually did the same track I did. He went to school for the art, Baltimore School for the Arts, and then Berkeley. Um, and yeah, he signed with a jazz label right now doing his thing. I think he's on tour right now. Shot in the dark. Do you know what Thomas Pridgen? Yeah, me and Thomas went to school together. Yeah. Because I remember he went to Berkeley, you know, hearing about that. That's how the memorial started. And because I remember when I first heard about him, right, you know, my lead singer is like, oh, you got to check these guys out at the memorials, right? And I'm like, okay, that's jazz fusion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, um, he used to play for gospel choir um, with Dennis Montgomery. Funny story, my best bud, um, this guy named Joel Goodwin, right? He's the one to put him on the metal. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, like, it's a weird thing, actually, how everybody kind of knows each other. Like, it was literally a shot in the dark here. I was like, I wonder if he knows Thomas Pritch or not, because he went to Berkeley. And You'd be seeing, surprised. Y'all are probably age peers. Let's see, let me just pull this bow and arrow back. Bam, gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah so yeah but yeah i was thinking this too you know so definitely engineering right because that's one like that you can't see right now but totally smirked when you said the whole well like you said in the mics and everything right because that's what i tend to do as well for my rehearsal and stuff right just for the rehearsal stuff but it's something about like you know something about that it's kind of fulfills something you know what i mean right you know but I noticed something else too, like in this era right now, it feels like you can't just be one thing, you have to be like everything, right? You know, do you feel do you feel like as a creator, do you feel like you can basically focus on one thing or do you feel have to be like have like your hand and and a bunch of other things too, you know? The the truth is, yeah, I, I feel like I kinda have to have my hand in a bunch of things. I've also been kinda like groomed for that lifestyle along the way. I mean, because, I mean, think about it. I'm I'm a kid from from the suburbs. I'm a kid from Bowie, Maryland, and right, right, and and all of a sudden I get thrown into classical music, um, and like we're singing like hardcore class. Like we had to take Latin class. We had to take German class, German diction. We had to take Italian diction. Nice. Like it was, it was, it was culture shock, but. That means I had to kind of just put my head down and, and get it done. And I grew a, a pretty fondness for it 
pretty quickly. And the skills that I learned to, to the skills that I employ to learn, you know, opera is the same skills that I learned to put in like mixing. It's it's really just taking a thing, focusing on it, and going with it. Like if I'm working on a new instrument, for my main uh, software of choice is Logic. Love Logic. Um, and if I'm gonna like learn a new instrument in Logic, because they just did the 10.5 update and it's a truck ton of stuff in there, uh, then I I know what to do. I know the systematic way that I would go about kind of getting it done. But like then if you're going to be a full-time artist or even just try to make it make some money for you, you also have to be a marketer. You also have to be a, like, a contract negotiator. <laughs> you know, so you have to be a graphic designer to design your logo or know where to go to figure all that stuff out. There's just so much that sometimes it can be overwhelming. So I was wondering, has there ever been a project that ever pushed you to your creative limit? No, not really. Not really. And 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 that's not to say that I haven't had challenges, but my creativity doesn't necessarily come like I, the way I see creativity is a little different. Like I see myself more like a focusing lens than a creative force. So I see me listening to what music is happening in my mind and then I sit down in front of my computer and I put that down. Now, after it's down, I might listen back to it and go, that's nonsense. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that's totally cool. But I also might listen to it and go, wow, that actually like resonates. And then from there, I don't necessarily think of putting on like some like creative work. I think about putting on what is exactly in my mind, and then I take my creative hat off, put my business hat on, and say, okay, now where does this thing that I just created, where does it fit best? Hmm. You know, that's 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 kind of how I think of it. You ever kind of a moment where you feel like, yo, I created something like, like something that might be popping now, right? But I feel like, yo, I created something like this five or seven years ago, and this would be perfect for now. Like, so many times have I created something and it was great for, like, four years from that point. Like, I listen to some things and I'm like, oh, this would have been, this this would be dope right now, you know. And I can go in and update it, but then my mind has already moved on to something else. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I tend to just follow my mind and, and where the through line between what can rock and what my mind did when it happens, great. We just pick it up from there. Sure. All right, so you have like a background, you know, okay, musical background. So okay, okay, I grew up in church and everything, you know. That's one thing I really miss about a lot of artists nowadays, you know, is that here's the thing about it. it's like you know I grew up on everything. I grew up on you know everything from James Brown, Funkadelic, the Ramones, my parents screaming, stuff like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, point being is I always kind of felt like you know one thing I've always missed, you know, musically was like when like R and B. I kind of miss when I went to church, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really yeah. miss that. Like I miss the kind of vocalist that can like, you know, that it feels like, you know, they can like, you know, like basically like, you know, peel paint off of walls vocally, you know? Yeah. They can, they can make you, they can make you feel something. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like I really do miss that. You know, it feels like a lot of stuff nowadays 
they sound like um they have the person I'm an, I'm an avocado, and not even seasoned by the way, just straight avocado, tastes like newspaper. You know, so yeah. anyway, so R&B wise, who are you feeling out? Who are you feeling right now? Um, I, I was on another interview and I, I mentioned uh, BJ, the Chicago kid is somebody who I've been like really, really on. And you're talking about that, that, that singer that can take you to church and back. They can still do the stuff that you want to hear, but at the same time can really bring it to the, yeah, that's, that's kind of who I'm rocking with right now. That's, that's kind of who I have on repeat. I gotta um, check, I gotta check that out because yeah, yeah. lately it feels like a lot of these guys aren't singers. They're just soft rappers, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, and that's the thing, and that's the thing. A lot of them are basically that, and he, on his projects, he can do a little bit of that, um, but at the same time, you know, he has that one record on his, not the latest project, the project before, I think, what was that, 2017? I think it's called Turning Me Up, and it's just that old Chicago soul record where it, it feels like a D'Angelo record, and it's just so honest and real that I was like, yeah, see, that that it's the honesty. It's not the genre that I would want to catch as a producer or what I'm looking for. It's that honesty that when you listen to that piece of music, you go, Ooh, yeah, that feels good. Like I want to recreate that, not necessarily just do what he did musically or do with someone else. I want to capture that emotion behind it. I love how you put that, you know, no. Okay. I have an embarrassing confession to make. All right. <laughs> when I first heard about BJ, BJ, the Chicago kid, I really thought it was another name for Chance the Rappers because around the same time, <laughs> they came out around the same time. So I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, Chicago Kid, Chance the Rappers, Chance from Chicago, right? Oh, it's two totally different guys. Two totally different guys. My bad. You know, I was felt a weird way about Chance the Rapper. He had this mixtape called Acid Rap, right? And I feel like, that's somebody else's gimmick. What are you doing? That, you know? that really is somebody you know? else's gimmick. I grew up on Esham. I'm like, call us up Acid Rap back in the day. Totally different style, man. Totally you. different things. Not the same thing at all. Um, exactly, you know. But I like this a really good point actually about the sincerity and the feel actually right. It's not about recreating something, but capturing a feel. I really don't. Right. And that's like genre wise, that's like a universal thing because this, there's a lot of modern rock that I like out here because I call itself Kylecore. You know. Okay. It sounds like some guy with jorts on with a backwards cap on and George. thinks Eminem's the greatest rapper of all time and likes to punch walls. And always put up, <laughs> always puts up that meme. I might have a short temper with a big heart. That crap. Got you. I'm Got like, you. this is not rock. This is somebody having a temper tantrum. Got you. But they interpret it that way. Exactly. They interpret it that way. You can't help that that's where the genre goes because of it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's so you know, try to find some like, all right, one dude I really appreciate right now is the Dooney Sir. You know, I have a soft spot for him. I like. Uh, love that song, John Redcorn. You know, it's my, that's my jam right there. You know, so I was curious. So, so what genres have you worked in? Predominantly, I um, work in soul music right now. Soul music, R and B. I do rap as well, but I'm I I have more of my producers that I go to. Like when I really want to get something that knocks, and really want to hit something that's like radio quality. <laughs> I have my producers that I go to, and I'm like, y'all knock this out for me. Um, not that I'm not capable, but it would take me a lot longer to get the same authentic result that they would just be like, yeah, let me just do this right quick. <laughs> um, but because I'm working with my artist, Tamara Jade, um, 
predominantly in Seoul. I was curious, though, what was it like feeling seeing Tamara Jade on The Voice, though? Um, it, it was fantastic, man. I mean, obviously, we knew about it ahead of time, and we just kind of had to keep it quiet. Um, but, like, we knew it was going to be big, but we didn't realize how big. And right now, big is pretty big. I mean, the the YouTube video of her blind audition had one million views before the premiere of the show. Like, and not like the night before, like two days before, or I was already at a million. So, I mean, clearly the show is definitely pushing her and we're glad to hear it. <laughs> Um, but she definitely has uh, uh, an amazing voice and a, an amazing talent that just kind of knocks your socks off. Again, one of those singing singers that just paints the the the, the paint off the wall, like you said. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I saw her and I was like, "Yo, where's she been hiding?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been working on her voice for years. <laughs> you know, she's from here, right? Yeah, yeah. We all grew up together in Bowie. Huh. Mitchellville. Nice. Alright, speaking of which, something that kind of fascinates me, right? Sometimes I, it feels like I can tell if a producer is from the area and not even using a go-go sound, but it feels like it's like either like a patch keyboard-wise they use or something about it will feel like they grew in PG County. <laughs> it's a wow. weird uh thing. Like, you know, like it's hard to explain what it is, but for some reason I can always kind of tell. You know, would you say that there's like a DMV sound that's technically not go-go, but a hallmark nonetheless? I I have not heard that sound myself. Now I know I know genre-wise we have go-go, which is unique to the DMV, and we have the kind of offshoots of that, you know. Um, but I haven't heard that one universal uh, sound out of the DMV. And I'm kind of okay with that because ultimately, you know, when you look at the quality of musicians that come out of the DMV, quality of vocalists and and, and and producers, I mean, some of the best producers in the industry right now are from the DMV. You think Pharrell, you think Virginia Beach, you know what I'm saying? Timberland, basically Timberland's whole squad, they all from that same area. Um, Aaron Spears. Um, I, mean, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, so, and in multiple genres and multiple areas, and I think that's really what it is, is that there's so many different genres that you can be great at that a unique, specific to DC sound other than go-go is almost kind of not necessary. In this particular area, people are going to be great at so many different things because there is no overarching universal thing this is kind of where people can come and just be themselves musically and still win so who are your influences music though and what have you learned from them um my musical influences are kind of weird because um you know i i get a lot of influence from like brahms and and some and just 
classical music kind of generally speaking and not necessarily because there's you know sampleable material which there always is in classical music this is always something you can chop and sample um but musically speaking the way composers went about composing under a strict set of rules a lot of the time to try to fit um uh a time period you're talking about the romantic or the baroque it 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 it, sh it it basically shows the outline of a music industry, like a real actual music industry, the way we understand it here. Because if we understand how music was sold, I mean, some rich dude had to commission you to write something for them, or you became the in-house musician for royalty. That was pretty much it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so basically, they're paying you out a fee to create this work that they're going to host in a grand theater called an opera, in an opera house where people can come and buy their tickets. And they're, they're making funds and you got your money for it. This is, this is the, the, what the industry was. And so like my where I get influenced when it comes to classical music is really in that. It is in the organizational structure of it. So like sometimes I'll turn on some classical music before I do my business work. Cause I'm, I'm the type of guy I can't do two things at one time. I got to focus. So if I'm in my production mode, I have a different kind of like warm up for my brain than if I was to sit down and read or write a contract. That's a different process for me. So right now you kind of caught me in business mode. So, you know, classical music is heavy on my mind because that's what I'll use to kind of focus. That's actually pretty cool. You know, like the classical guys I really enjoyed growing up were guys like, actually Stravinsky was one, and also Edgar Varese too, actually, because he was creating some weird shit we nice. really enjoy. And obviously Frank Zappa, but... One thing about it is, there was when you mentioned Frank Zappa to somebody who was like classically trained to get really pissy. I never, I never. It's it's like the jazz musicians who never like to hear this smooth jazz. It's like, it's it's just music. It's, it's all calm down. I never forget the story about this one dude. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but he was like this, like real more of a straight up jazz guy, right? Mm-hmm. And let me see, make sure I get it right though. It was actually. I got it for legal purposes. I got to say, allegedly, George Howard allegedly blew a soprano sax in Kenny G's face one time <laughs> at a show. You know, Kenny G, it's like George Howard's there, right? He was doing a show and then Kenny G was in front row. And I want to say Kashif was there too, allegedly, right? Uh -huh. And George Howard saw, you know, Kenny G there and during a, during a sax solo or something like that, or trumpet solo, whatever it was, he blew basically like just. A direct note at Kenny G just almost like just throwing like a middle finger at him, you know. So that is true, you know. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Wow. You know, or my favorite story is like here around the guys in Metallica running down to um Sunset Strip, right? And they feel like you know, basically with like a for the forty ounce, right? And throw it at the guys in Motley Crue to try to get him to chase him. <laughs> and oh, that's hilarious. Oh, it's even funnier. The guys in Molly Crew are like the plat the platinum what's my calls on? So they they run basically with like the platinum heels on. So I can chase oh, them that way. So even epic. better. 
So yeah, that's, but it's true, it. you know. It's like let just people create to create though, you know. But like, okay, Brahms is actually that's one name I don't hear often actually, and it's actually pretty cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just I like the compositional style. It's smooth, um, and 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 it's musically very easy to understand. But if you really like, I you know, you really sit down and analyze music you start to understand that that's basically like pop music for the time. It really was like it was pop it's, music for the it's time. Really what it was. You know, people were trying to complain, oh, this music is garbage and everything. Listen, the classical stuff was this really well orchestrated and arranged gar- garbage back then too. Now you just get yeah. a government grant for knowing about it, you know? <laughs> that's the reality of it though. Shoot. People will say people said the same thing about jazz music, you know. It's like, oh, it's made for degenerates to do heroin, you know, that's what all wearing sunglasses and stuff. And now they're jazz society to preserve it though. Exactly. You know, same exactly. thing. Exactly. Same thing with blues. Like, you know, it's just you know, it's it's just one of those kind of deals, you know? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But yeah. Dang. So I guess I gotta wrap this up soon, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, but great chatting with you though. For sure, bro. Hey man, I, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you letting me kinda of tell my story a little bit and um No problem. Love to have you back yeah. on soon, you know. For sure, man. Um make sure you follow me uh, at it's me coach T. Um or at Haven House Music is the uh handle for the studio. Hmm. Cool. And um and um yeah, that's it. All right, dope. Great chatting with you. Yeah. All right, right, man. Thanks so much. No problem. Peace. Peace. Hey, that was Tabari Fingal. Follow my Instagram at it's me, Coach T, and also follow his studio, Haven House Media. Till next time, take it easy.